Rebels. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of David Menzies' Friday Night Show Rebel Roundup. My guests tonight are Ezra Levant and Kean Bextie. If you like listening to the show, then you will love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to David's weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and my own Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without ever spending a dime. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of David's show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back on the very best commentaries of the last week from our favorite Rebels. I'm your host, Sheila Gunn-Reed. I'm filling in for the ever-intrepid David Menzies as he's out on the road chasing all the election and campaign news wherever he might find it. Tonight's Rebel Roundup, well, it's a bit of a Frankenstein monster of clips and interviews we've stitched together over the past very eventful week here at the Rebel. Everyone in the company was just so busy this week that it was hard to nail anybody down for a sit-down interview, including myself. So you'll see my hair change, my clothing change, and even the location change over the course of this week's Rebel Roundup. But we're giving the subscribers the show they paid for. We're not letting you down. Our Rebel team went to federal court to fight the government for access to the leaders debate, and we won that David and Goliath battle for free speech. Kean Bextie joins me to talk about his question to Trudeau that was eventually seen around the world. Then the outrage mob tried to shut down Ezra Levant's book signing in Edmonton this week. However, Two dozen or so cranky losers and their high-profile slacktivist enablers were unable to metaphorically burn the boss's book. Ezra joins me tonight in an interview we filmed right after our guerrilla book signing. Then, finally, your comments on Ezra's live stream from outside the Princess Theatre in Edmonton, where he announced our legal plan to fight back against the deplatforming bullies. Those are your rebels. Let's round them up. Hi, Mr. Trudeau. Since your multiple use of blackface became an international scandal, Canada's international reputation has been irreparably harmed. Have you reached out to any African leaders or any leaders from the Middle East to apologize for your conduct? Canada will continue to engage in a positive, constructive way around the world, standing up for human rights, uh, engaging uh, with leaders right around the world, because we know that uh, promoting our values and uh, prosperity for everyone around the world is good for Canadians and creates better opportunities for everyone. So that didn't answer the question at all. Have you spoken to any African leaders or leaders from the Middle East to apologize 
for your personal conduct? Uh, I have continued to engage with leaders around the world in a responsible way during an election campaign. My focus is connecting with Canadians as I was able to tonight. And I was very pleased to see so many of the questions turn to the environment. Uh, in all sections, there was a clear contrast uh, between those on stage who don't think we should be fighting climate change uh, and those of us who do. And again, we are the only party with a clear plan to fight climate change. And that journalistic axe murdering of the most powerful man in Canada was done by my friend and colleague, Kian Bexy. It's exactly why the Liberals worked so hard to keep him and David Menzies out of the debates and out of the post-debate scrums like what you saw right there. I predict that clip will be the most viral video, the most viewed exchange between the Prime Minister and a reporter in this entire election. That is, if it isn't already. Now, joining me now is our <laughs> top gun, Kian Bexty. Hey, Kian, I wanted to ask you, besides having that opportunity to ask the Prime Minister a question, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, it's a strange question, but about the social dynamics of being allowed in. Um, how are you treated by the other journalists? I know when I sometimes go to uh, press events, they sort of treat you like the turd in the punch bowl. They tolerate mm -hmm. your presence, but they're not making idle chit-chat with you, and they'd, they, they'd prefer if uh, you didn't ask a question. How were you treated by the other journalists? Uh, so, so when I got there, um, they didn't want to let me in. Uh, they didn't want to let David, myself, and Andrew Lawton in. They, uh, the security guard said, do you have your accreditation? And we said, no, we have a court order. Uh, and they'll be printing our accreditation when we get inside and show them the court order. And they said, well, unless you have your accreditation in hand, you're not coming in. So we needed to work with the PPC staff who were there to go in, grab our badges, come out to give them to us so that we could get in. It seemed like totally needless bureaucracy as it tends to be with the government uh, and may, maybe it was to just make our lives a little bit difficult or maybe this is how they actually operate either way it was annoying we got inside a lot of uh, folks just kind of looked up didn't recognize us I think but a few people gave us those glances where they're like do I know you like have I seen you somewhere Evan Solomon from CTV he kind of stared at me for a second squinted and then he looked away. Uh, Andrew Lawton, he got a really warm reception from uh, conservative uh, spinsters who were there to uh, spin doctors to who, who were there to react in real time to the debate. Uh, they were hugging him and all that. They kind of just ignored us, uh, David and I. But whatever. Um, there was a weird dynamic there because I think everyone sort of knew that we weren't going to be pushed around anymore. Uh, everyone knew that we were there because the judge said, David Keen, you have a constitutional right to be allowed into this room. Uh, so here we were. Yeah, I thought, uh, I, I heard that there was some, a little bit of, of friendly reception for Andrew, but not for you. Um, and I think maybe, and I'm not speaking, to, this is not a critique of Andrew's work. Um, he's a great journalist, but we have no problem firing on our own team if our own team our own team isn't doing things that are conservative i i mm -hmm. i think we serve as like a gut check <laughs> for the conservative movement when they sort of stray towards allison redford country um when and I, I fully believe that when you went to get into the event they had mm -hmm. to absolutely know who the heck you were 
You guys were in federal court in the morning. They should have been ready and waiting to deal with you. The fact that you had to get the PPC people to help you out just speaks to how spiteful and malicious the debate organizers are, that they just pushed it right to the very last limit. Um, I wanted to ask you, you were so calm when you were asking Trudeau that question. You didn't stumble. Your voice didn't break. I would be full of nerves um, just because of all the pressure that was on you. I mean, all the journalists are looking at you eating their lunch. You're mm -hmm. looking at the most powerful man in the entire country, um, and you're going to ask him a question. This is really your one shot. I mean, if he loses, this is your one shot to ask him a question as the prime minister. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Uh, my heart, my heart was racing. Um, if I, I mean, it, it, it has been in the works for months, right? Like we've had uh, me and David flying across the country following his campaign for months, dozens of flights, hundreds of hours of work. Uh, we fought a federal court case. We paid thousands and thousands of dollars to be able to get there. And finally, everything worked out. I was at the front of the line. I had my bag sniffed by RCMP sniffer dogs. And I skipped questions from leaders before Justin Trudeau so I could stay at the front of the line so I could be there to ask him a question. And everything just lined up perfectly. Don't get me wrong, I like I wasn't super calm. Maybe my voice sounded like that and uh, I'm glad it came across that way, but my heart was certainly pounding out outside of my chest. It, it's a, kind of funny, it was in the same way as when I confronted that ISIS terrorist in Enderby. My phone was in my breast pocket recording the confrontation. And if you go watch that video again, it sounds like uh, post-editing was done to add a heartbeat to uh, to make the sound effects super, like to make it really, you know, intense. But no, that was actually just my heart racing. And it seemed, it was sort of similar uh, asking a question for a prime minister as it was uh, confronting an ISIS terrorist. They were both <laughs> equally as hard to get to. Um, yeah. I the faces of the journalists, I don't know if you've closely examined that clip yeah. of you, the faces of the journalists behind you, you can tell they're mm -hmm. pissed off. And, you know, I've mm -hmm. seen online people saying, well, how the heck did uh, Rebel get the first questions? I don't know. Hustle and hard work. Yeah. <laughs> the same it way was. we get all of our stories. I left the debate early. Uh, I, like I quit live tweeting halfway through, mm -hmm. well not halfway through, maybe three quarters of the way through so that I could get in line first, get my bag snipped, get everything ready so that I could go up those escalators in the Canadian Museum of History. Uh, and and I was there first in line because I, this is this was our one shot, right? This was our one opportunity to ask him a question. And although he didn't really answer very well, I'm glad that he did answer it. There's a lot of speculation online because uh, before him, I asked a block leader a question, the leader of the Bloc Québécois, and the Bloc leader was like, oh, I'm not answering you. My answer is that I will not answer. And I was like, come on, man, like, you're yeah. not even supposed to be here. Like, answer the question. It was a simple question. Um, and then all the pundits, the lefties from Canada land and all that were like, oh, Kean Kean introduced himself and his uh, publisher to the block leader, but he didn't do it to Trudeau. If Trudeau knew who Kean was, he wouldn't have answered a question either. Trying to like, they're trying to deal with th this reality, right? That the one opportunity that we had to do this, it just blew up, right? It blew up in the left's face. It blew up in Justin Trudeau's face. Imagine if we were able to ask questions at every scrum, you know, like these people would lose their minds. They wouldn't be able to handle it because 
we were the only people. Andrew asked a good question too. We, uh, Andrew and I dealt with what questions we were going to be asking the Prime Minister before he came so that we weren't overlapping because we wanted to make sure that this was uh, efficiently spent question asking. Uh, but besides us, nobody asked any difficult questions. So my, my thoughts are if we were able to be at every scrum asking these questions, they would all be blowing up in the same way. Well, and that's exactly why they continue to try to keep um, you and Andrew Lawton out. Now, Andrew Lawton, he really did ask a great question. He asked if he would now, with this court order in hand from a federal court, be allowed to cover the Liberal campaign, and Justin Trudeau refused to answer him twice. Um, I think it was a great question because it revealed Trudeau to be someone who doesn't believe that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms applies to everybody equally, including conservative reporters. But I've seen some of the fallout online, um, fallout, what a, <laughs> that's not the right word to use, but I've seen some of the pushback from the Poutine press, and normally I wouldn't call David Aiken the Poutine press. Um, he's pretty middle of the road, he's fair both ways, tracks spending, but he called Andrew's question a wasted question implying that it was selfish and that Andrew was attacking this elite club of journalists that he wanted to join. Um, I, I thought it was very telling because that's a question that they all should have been asking since the Trudeau liberals started blocking Andrew. They have access to Trudeau every single day and they should have been asking that question. Instead, Andrew had to go to court and spent yeah. thousands of dollars to be able to ask that question. I think it says a lot about the mainstream media. I, I said the exact same thing to Ezra. Uh, David Aiken's tweet there is spoken like someone who's never been denied his constitutional right to do his job ever. He's never he's never he's been a mainstream media journalist his entire life. I mean I mean even with his time with Sun he. He's a middle-of-the-road guy. He doesn't anger anyone by stepping on anyone's toes. I think the most out there he's gotten is when he asked Trudeau if he was going to resign. That kind of blew up. Um, but he's never, you know, he's never had to work for anything in his life. And I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he followed some scoops and he interviewed some people and he went to school. Maybe I don't even know his history. But he's never been denied the right to do his job by the entirety of an industry. Two industries that both the journalist and uh, uh, the the journalist industrial complex that the parliamentary press gallery just sort of promotes they've not denied him anything and uh, on the flip side of that politicians have never denied him if he wanted to get on at the CPC campaign or the uh, Liberal Party of Canada campaign at any time in his career he would have been able to do that uh, so that's that is why he said what he did because he just doesn't understand what we were fighting for and to further that point Andrew Lawton asking that question was entirely valid it was the most important issue of the day the uh, True North and Rebel were trending on Twitter um, it, it, it was the topical political question of the day I, I know you're not supposed to make the story about yourself as a journalist but the story was already about True North, it was about Rebel, it was about Andrew Lawton and David and I not being able to get into the room, not being able to uh, do our jobs. That was the story, and asking a question on that was totally valid, and David Aiken um, just doesn't understand that. Well, and I thought it was strange, actually. I thought maybe one of the journalists there might have a moment of intellectual curiosity, seeing that Rebel and True North 
literally trending online that over three million people were following like that's one in ten Canadians <laughs> were following Ezra's tweets about the federal court hearing and yet yep. not a single one of them stuck a microphone in your faces and asked you hey what is it like to have to take the government to federal court to get access to a debate in a free country that never happened and I was quite frankly pretty shocked about it well, it's because these journalists, uh, right, they're, they're in bed with uh, the left. Whether or not they are, uh, whether or not they're out about it or not is a different story. But Antifa's whole shtick, uh, and, and these like hard labor leftists who absolutely hate us, their whole shtick is that no journalist should report on us or share our news without also uh, explaining how awful we are, how controversial we are. Um, Mercedes did it uh, with Global News. I know she apologized afterwards, which was good of her. I, I um, but she, she, she stopped and corrected herself to make herself wrong. That was the part yeah. that I thought was quite interesting. Was she went? She said, "Rebel and True North were in federal court today." I mean, True North was in federal court today. Like she stopped and made herself wrong just for the sake of cutting us out of the fight for freedom. Yeah, and, and then ending by saying we were controversial. It was actually really funny because uh, the the anchor, the news anchor, who had no idea who I was because I didn't say <laughs> hi, Key and Bexie from Rebel uh, when I was talking to Trudeau, the anchor who was in studio uh, thought that this was a crazy question. She was like, oh my God, can you believe Trudeau's answer to that? He was talking about climate change in response to black like it just didn't make any sense uh, and then she talked she was throwing to Mercedes who was on the ground knowing exactly what was going on and Mercedes is like oh my god studio like <laughs> like better quiet down not talk about the rebel it was it was pretty comical and then she got cut off when Andrew Shear came out so that was uh, good so she couldn't go on blabbering about how awful we are now I guess my final or final couple of questions is um, you're going to the French language debate yes I had no intention to, but the judge said uh, we were we had to be accredited to go. Uh, so we will we'll most definitely be there now that we're allowed. Um, I, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to ask questions at the French debate, but then I realized, well, at the English debate, um, half the questions were in French. It wasn't an English scrum. It was a bilingual scrum. So I'm just going to go there and ask questions in in English and maybe I'll have a French question in my back pocket and I'll uh, just butcher the hell out of it and be like <laughs> bonjour Mr. Tr Monsieur Trudeau uh, and then I'll just go on and you know see what he see what he has to say but my, my plan so right now is to ask questions in English I already have a few that I think are going to sting and where can people find all of your incredible reports from the road? I know you're briefly home today, it looks like, but you are working from the road every single day. You're Skyping in from airports. Where can people find those reports? Uh, folks can see me on Twitter at The Real Kian. That's where I was live tweeting the debate, and it's where I'll live tweet the next debate, although it'll be harder with the translations that we'll have to do, so it won't be as, as frequent. Uh, the Real Kian on Twitter is the best place, hands down, to see things as they happen. I upload all of our questions that we ask immediately from there, uh, but you can also go to campaign2019.com. Uh, that's our website. Uh, it's a great website. It's a great name. Um, People can go there to see what we've covered, what we're going to cover, why we're doing it, that kind of thing. So that's uh, where I would send them. 
and they can pitch in to cover the cost to send you to all these far-flung places to jump out of the bushes and scare some <laughs> liberals. Kian, here's to you making Justin Trudeau short circuit like my Roomba robot that ate yarn that one time at the uh, French language debate. Thanks for Skyping in. Thanks so much, Sheila. Stay with us more up next after the break. Should give themselves a round of applause. Because you all refuse to be bullied by the 30 troublemakers in this city who bullied an immigrant businessman into losing thousands of dollars tonight. It, it, was, it wasn't cheap for us to rent that place. And they bullied him and they threatened him, and by proxy, they threatened all of you. And yet, all of you are here tonight standing up for freedom standing up for a right to free speech, standing up for a right to have a book signing. Isn't that a crazy thing? Those people downstairs call themselves anti-fascists. Can you believe that? All right. And those people, those people, the one guy who bothered to show up when it's so cold, they call themselves anti-fascists, but they came here tonight to do a, a metaphorical book burning of a Jewish author. <laughs> you know? Give me a break. But those are the exact same people who sent targeted complaints about my book, Stop Not Leave. I didn't do a book signing, so they couldn't protest my book signing. So what they did was they sent complaints to Rachel Notley's basically a hired gun. He's part of a creative bureaucracy called the Elections Commissioner. And it was basically their job to control free speech during the election period. And the free speech they tried to control was my book. I wrote a book called Stop Notley. It was a bestseller. Uh, I think it went a little higher than yours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and we have been embroiled in a battle with the Elections Commissioner. They demanded that I sit down and be interrogated writing a book and releasing it during the, an election period in a free country. You know, it, it really disgusting. And where were our so-called allies in the Civil Liberties Association? Penn Canada takes $75 a year from me. Then they, send their, they say they're supposed to defend the journalists. I never heard from them. The Canadian Civil Liberties people, um, Canadian journalists for free expression. Every time we're banned, deplatformed, our books are attacked, our, we become the target of investigations. We don't hear from any of them. 600 million bucks goes a long way. Right? Darn right it does. Buys a lot of silence, doesn't it? Um, so they've tried to deplatform me, and this last attempt at deplatforming my book by using this weaponized elections commissioner, it wasn't the first time. Who remembers when Rachel Notley threw me out of the legislature using an armed chair? How we fought back and we won. Yeah. Those are the same people who targeted Mr. Brar tonight. And they're not going to stop. They're never going to stop until we stop them. Until we hold them legally accountable for their bad actions. And it stops now. It was a night for freedom, but it was also a night for us to finally stand up to the bullies. And not just the bullies who are bullying us, but the bullies who are bullying small businesses and the bullies who are bullying severely normal people. Joining me now 
is Canada's newest anti-bullying activist, <laughs> Ezra Levant. Uh, I'm never on this side of the microphone. Um, tonight, it'll be the next day by the time everybody's seeing this, we held our book signing. Mm -hmm. Hell or high water. Yeah, you know, I really like these two sort of obscure, artsy, old-fashioned theaters in Alberta. One's in Calgary, one's in Edmonton. The Calgary one's called the Plaza, the Edmonton one's called the Princess. They're owned by the same guy, an immigrant from India named Mike Brar, friendly guy. We've done events in both theaters before. We had the Climate Hustle Canadian premiere, sold them out. And even when I lived in each city, I remember going to those theaters either for cheap second-run movies or for obscure movies. I, like, it's fun. Everyone likes those old theaters that are a little quirky. Yeah. And because we had two successful events with them before with The Rebel, it seemed a natural place to do the book launch for my book, The Lebranos, which um, we talked to Mike, the owner, and said, yeah, it sounds no problem. He doesn't take any point of view in politics. And um, I said, you know, some people, you know, they, they might not like our criticism of, of Trudeau. And he said, in 30 years, I've never canceled a show. So I thought, okay, this guy's for freedom. You gotta be, yeah. if you run a movie theater. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're a prude or a censor, you don't go into the movie theater business. Anyways, everything was going great. We were selling hundreds of tickets, but then some NDP activists started bullying Mike Brar. And I say NDP activists, I would have thought it might be pro-Trudeau activists yeah. who don't like my book. But I think it's just Rachel Notley has-beens and losers. And when I mean losers, I mean, for example, Jessica Littlewood, who is a MLA in your neck of the woods, and then she lost, so I think that's technically a loser. Um, and now she's on Twitter, like, shouting yeah. at Mike Brar and trying to deplatform us. And I think her main target was us. But, uh, I mean, she shouts at us. I don't even care. I don't even hear it. But she shouts at a severely normal businessman. He's, whoa, what's happening? And that's the thing. These people were too cowardly to come for you and me. So they went after this Mike Brar guy, this, this movie theater impresario. And they scared the living daylights out of him. I talked to him on the phone last night. I said, Mike, come on, don't be worried. We'll hire a couple of private security guards. We'll tell the cops to keep an eye peeled. These people are just rattling your cage. Like they're not, like they're cowards. Yeah. Like Antifa are, are, without their masks, they're completely cowards, they're losers. And he said, Ezra, I'm, I can't even sleep at night. I'm so stressed. And he said, his phone was ringing off the hook. I said, just don't answer your phone. You can't, I guess you can't tell that to a guy who runs a movie theater. So... I didn't know how it was going to go down. I said, look, Mike, I got a contract with you. Just do it, I said. What's the worst that can happen? Well, I didn't know what he was going to do, so we showed up anyways, and they didn't unlock the place. And we had hundreds of people, so we just hoofed it a couple blocks over to Rosie's Bar and Grill, and they didn't care. So we did our book signing there. Um, I'm a little bit mad at, at the movie theater owner, Mike Brar, for not staying true to like if you own a movie theater yeah. you should be a free speech guy yeah. and he said to me for 30 years he hasn't buckled and he knows us because he did events with us before so he has no excuse but however mad I am at him I'm furious for the people who bullied him into that decision and in his defense he's not built for fighting yeah. you and me are maybe so that's why I blame the bullies, and you jokingly call me an anti-bullying activist, but that's actually the case. And isn't it funny that the tolerant left, who are so against bullying, they're the ones who bullied 
And the fact that he's East Indian is, is irrelevant other than if the shoe were on the foot, it would be super relevant to them. Right. And, you know, you remarked that I'm Jewish and we're banning a Jewish author's books. While it, calling yourself anti-fascist. Yeah. It's a bad look. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously it's because I'm conservative and I criticize Trudeau. It's not yeah. because I'm Jewish. And Mike Barrard just happened to own the venue. It's not because he's East Indian. But I tell you one thing, it's like you said, it's not a good look. And the great book burners of the 20th century were the, were the Nazis. Mao Zedong burnt books too, by the way. So, I mean, you and I had lunch today with our Edmonton Legal Eagle. And we came up with a plan. And I shared it a little bit tonight and I'll, I'll, with, with the people here. And they sure liked it. And it was this. I mean, I, I literally brought with me the contract that we signed with Mike Brar and and the credit card receipt showing that we we paid for it. Like I like I have the proof here that I got it. This is a contract. And I paid for it. In fact, I haven't even gotten the refund yet. And um, so Mike Brar breached the contract. So I would have a legal remedy to sue him for damages or whatever. And I might do that, but like I say, he's not the worst person in this story. The worst person are those who induced him to breach the contract. And here's the thing, Sheila, and this is what our lawyer confirmed for us today. That's against the law. To induce someone to breach a contract, you are now liable to the person who lost. So Jessica Littlewood, Progress Alberta, all these lefties who were so brave on Twitter who basically screamed at this man until he buckled. Every one of them induced the breach of the contract, and I am going to sue them all. I don't care if there are a hundred of them. I will sue all of them because I want them to have a public education in the court of law that you cannot act that way. You cannot bully a man so bad that he breaks his contractual obligations. That is un-Canadian, and these people don't know it. Their mamas didn't ta- teach them right, so we need the courts to teach them right. Now, a lot of the threats, they were social media threats to Mike Brar, um, and a lot of the haranguing and harassing, they were social media threats. But when push came to shove and when the rubber meets the road we had what one loser oh, yeah. we had one loser show up and we also had some of our people who actually incidentally happened to be late and they opened the theater at 5:30 oh there was a lot of bad behavior tonight you make a good observation so all these people i mean mike Brar said his phone was ringing off the hook they never showed these- up they didn't, and the only guy who did show up was just a perennial crank that everybody knows in town, like the village idiot. Rickshaw Dave is his nickname. He really is the village idiot. He doesn't like me. And I've seen him, well, you know, if he liked you, there would be a problem because he's so, he's a crank, and everyone in town, oh, there's Rickshaw Dave. Like, so he was the only one. We had two private security just to, like I said to Mike Barrar, the impresario, I said, look, you got nothing to worry about. We'll bring private security. I called the cops. There was a whole police van, a bunch of cops there. There was nothing to be worried about. There was one crank there. Yeah. And all those tough losers on Twitter evaporated. You know what, though? They were so brazen slash stupid to use their real names. And I got all their names. 
and I'm coming from Mike Brar. It's not built for fighting. I am, and I am coming. Let me just look right in the camera and say this. I am coming for every single person who induced this breach of contract. I will hunt you forever. From Ezra's lips to our lawyer's ears, to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a wrap. Uh, stay with us more up next after the break. If you and me were unafraid to stare down Justin Trudeau and make him bend the knee, do you really think we are going to give in to street thugs like Rick Now again, you and I did what you did. We're all here. Mike Brar gave in, and, that, and I'm not being too mad at him because he's he just wanted to rent a theater. But what happened? A breach of contract is what happened. I have a contract for this theater tonight, and it was breached by Mike Brar. But Mike Brar wasn't the root of the problem, was he? All the people who threatened Mike Brar, Jessica Littlewood, the failed NDP MLA, Progress Alberta, the street thugs for Rachel Notley, they were the ones who threatened Mike Brar. I know that because he told me. Don't forget the mayor. So what can I do about that? I'll tell you, I used to be a lawyer back in the day. I don't know which is more disreputable, a lawyer or a journalist. I'm, I'm a bit of both. But I know this. There is a civil lawsuit for a tort called inducing a breach of contract. If you know there's a contract between two people and you interfere and you cause someone to breach the contract, you, the interferer, have a civil action against you. That's called a breach of contract. And here's the thing about those NDP. They're so stupid or brazen, whichever one, that they thought they would do this in public on Twitter, on Facebook, in emails. They were so proud of what they were doing that many of them did it in their own names because they have never been held to account before. Well, guess what? That changes tonight. That's my boss, Ezra Levant, refusing to be bullied by the, like I said, two dozen or so NDP thugs and activist losers in Edmonton, the capital city of Alberta, and a city of over one million people. We're done being deplatformed. We're taking the fight to these people, and we're going to make them pay legally. We're taking back the streets, as they say. On that video, TCZ writes, Jason Kenney needs to fire 10,000 of these government mammary gland-sucking civil servants in Edmonton that were hired by Notley. You know, it's true. Premier Jason Kenney needs to do that for several different reasons. To trim down that Edmonton civil service that was fattened up by far left-wing socialist Premier Rachel Notley to inflate her employment numbers. Kenney needs to do it, of course, for economic reasons, but he also needs to do it to drain the swamp or drain the muskeg in Alberta parlance. 
Many of those people are activist appointees who are working within the system to sabotage Jason Kenney's plans to get our province back on track, and they've got to go. Tuggy Waffles writes, The left is weak, perverted, and pitiful, but they are cruel, deceitful, and scheming Tuggy. I saw that happen firsthand in Edmonton. The keyboard warriors who bullied an immigrant businessman named Mike Brar into breaching his contract with us didn't actually show up to put a face to their online bullying and, as you put it, scheming. One probably mentally ill person showed up as cannon fodder. He was the only person who showed up to make trouble for us last night. Jerry Berry writes, What this deplatforming garbage proves is just how effective the rebel really is. The hard left is afraid of the rebel precisely because they champion free speech and are good at it. Keep doing what you're doing, rebel. We absolutely will keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep fighting for freedom, but we can't do it without the help and support of people like you at home through your donations to help us in our legal battles, but also through our supporters, like last night, supporters who were unafraid to show up to the book signing, knowing full well that Antifa had threatened to show up and cause all kinds of trouble. Severely normal people who could have decided to do any number of less controversial things on a cold Thursday night in the capital city said no. We're fighting for freedom. And for me, that was something that was incredible to be a part of. Well, folks, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thank you, David, once again for trusting me with your show. Thanks, folks at home, for tuning in. Thank you, my friends in the office, for stitching together this creature of a show and bringing it to life. See you all next week. And remember, without risk, there can be no glory. (laughs) 